world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are <gasps> Evan <laughs> Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, you all must be hooked if you get up on Labor Day when you can all sleep in. Join in the huddle here. I can never figure out why on Labor Day we don't work. We celebrate work by not working. Wouldn't wouldn't you think on Labor Day you would work a double shift if you really wanted to celebrate Labor Day? By the way, do you have any idea how much money it costs the American government to pay all of those workers for not working? Crazy, isn't it? Man, oh man, oh man, man. I'm in a pretty good mood today. Had a I, I got, let, let me do this right off the bat. Johnny, pull up a uh, pirate looks at 40. I, Jimmy Buffett died. I got myself in trouble. I'm going to, I'm going to show you uh, what I went through here a little bit. Uh, but I, w- I want to play this song to you because this is, this is an anthem of a, of a, it's sad it's, because it's, a, it's an anthem of misplaced opportunities in life. Michelle and I go back to, we went uh, sailing in the Bahamas. We took some high school kids when I was at Mount Vernon. We took them sailing in the Bahamas on uh, 35 foot sailboats. We, we, we took three of them and there were 10 kids on one boat, 10 kids on, and we, we sailed down in the, into the Bahamas with actually down into the keys and then the Bahamas another time. And I got to, that, that was getting to know Jimmy Buffett. That's 1975. I met Jimmy Buffett music about 1978, 79. So I've been kind of a follower and this is always really was, this song really hit me. A pirate looks at 40 and this is an anthem about a guy who is, his whole life has misplaced really what his call was. And I think it's so poignant. It's so many of us, a pirate looks at 40, you get to be 40 years old and realize that for the most part, you missed it. You missed it. Go ahead and play this real quick. A little bit of uh, Jimmy Buffett music here on this Christian show. Very cool. Mother, Mother Ocean, I've heard you call, wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall, you've seen it all, you've seen it all, watch the man who rode you. Switch from sails to steam And in your belly you hold the treasures You have ever seen Most of them dream Most of them dream Yes, I am a pirate Two hundred years too late 
cannons don't thunder There's nothing to plunder I'm an over 40 victim of fate Arriving too late Arriving too late I've done a bit of smuggling And I've run my share of grass I made enough money to buy my I pissed it away so fast Never meant to last Never meant to last And I have been drunk now for over two weeks I passed out and I rallied and I strung a few weeks But I got to stop fishing Got to go fishing down the rock bottom again Just a few friends Opportunities in life, huh? That's what that song's about. Get me back. Sean, I went and saw him a year ago. It's interesting. If I get a chance, I'm going to take you to, to one of my Facebook posts. I'm not going to do it now because it, it, it's, I'll show you later on, okay? First of all, uh, yeah, I played golf at Muirfield Village. It was unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And anybody out there that's a golfer will understand this. If you're not a golfer, just bear with me a second. Muirfield Village was unbelievable. I had to walk the whole thing. I walked 8.7 miles. You have to have a caddy. My son and I both walked. And George McCloy and George McCloy, his dad, who George, George's dad is a member. Nobody, you can't just get on Muirfield Village. Somebody's got to take you on. And George's dad uh, sat in a golf cart. He might, he might hit four balls the whole day. George might have hit eight balls the whole day. And Mr. McCloy sat in his golf cart and drove around 18 holes so my son and I could play. I told him that was one of the nicest things anybody has ever done to me, ever, ever done for. Not only that, he paid for it. He paid, It's like $500 to play, friends. That's hard to believe, isn't it? And $100 for a caddy. I had to pay a guy to carry my bag. I said, I, I felt like a slave owner. Never done this in my life, right? And uh, it was just... The, the goodness of, of George McCloy's father to do that was, was unbelievable. And so I tip my tip my cap 
tap to him. Stephanie got her car. Those of you who've been helping Stephanie, she got her car from Jeff Klein on Saturday. We were at Mount Vernon at, at the square, did some great street ministry at the square. Jeff's always always got it going. We're going to go back to the square next Saturday and every Saturday for the next, the next at the name of Jesus, darkness flees. We saw it again on Saturday. I don't want to get too, too much in that, but we'll talk about it. I just got so much stuff I want to, I want to smack you with today, okay? And uh, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, I, I want to go there. Go to Jimmy Buffett in heaven. Go to number one, Johnny. <clears throat> I have a hard time figuring out Christians. I really, I am one. I have a hard time figuring this out. Jonathan, scroll down. It should just get now. That is that mine going down? That's not what I want. Going down. There's going to be a meme. It's going to pop up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And then I ask. I ask a question. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. This is important. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep. Oh no! Wait a minute. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I thought I had just a link to. I, I apologize to you, John. Keep going. Oh, that's another one. I want to show you. Keep going. Keep going. That's Mount Vernon. Keep going. Go. Uh, keep going. Come on. Keep going. One more. Ah, go. One more. Uh, okay, there it is. And I posted a meme on Facebook, and I said, Jimmy Buffett just died. I wonder if he is eating cheeseburgers in paradise or grilling them in hell. Right? You know he wrote a song, Cheeseburger in Paradise, right? Now, folks, I don't know what, what you think. To me, this is kind of a comical meme. I mean, it's, what? Did Jimmy go to heaven or did Jimmy go to hell? Can somebody help me out here? At anywhere on this post, do I say Jimmy's in hell? Do I, do I, do I rejoice over his death? I wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 words. 18 words. Jimmy Buffett just died. I wonder if he's eating cheeseburgers in paradise or grilling them in hell. And you go into the comments, and it is comment after comment after comment after comment of how unchristian I am. Oh, I'm glorifying over his death, and nobody knows. what This is Christians posting this stuff. What is going on? Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody by going down to, if you get a chance, go to my Facebook page and read some of the absolutely ridiculous, stupid stuff Christians say. Who are you to judge? Nobody can judge Jimmy. Nobody. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can't even have fun with Christians. Can't even have fun with them. Man, oh man, oh man. So anyway, I got that off. I got that off of my chest. So all of you out. Hey, Betty, I know that you probably, I know you went to school in Montana or someplace like that. I, I can't remember. But uh, can, can, can you ask, help me out here, Betty? As you read that thing right there, is that a statement or a question? Which is that, Betty? You don't have to, Betty, this is really easy. Look at the end of the sentence and what do you see? A question mark. A question mark. Is that a statement or a question, Betty? A question. That's a question. So then people who then say, Coach Dave, you da yada, 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 yada. They're the judgmental ones. <laughs> I just ask a question. It's crazy, man. You want to you want to see? I'm telling you, you want to take a trip down Christianity. Go back here later and read the comments that people put in there over a question. By the way, I love Jimmy Buffett. I loved him. I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe he's saved. 
And he is either eating cheeseburgers in paradise or he's grilling them in hell, isn't he? I thought it was good. I thought it was a funny one. Oh, you've, those religious Christians out there, I'm telling you, Jay-Z crying them. You're, see, you're not allowed to criticize anybody. You're not allowed to say anything that appears mean or judgmental. Where did that come from? Can somebody tell me, where did that spirit come from that we think like that? Help me out, Johnny. Be good. Come on in here real quick. Help me out, Johnny. Yeah, I thought it was funny how many Christians were judging you, accusing oh you of goodness. judging. <laughs> yes, they were judging me for judging him, which I didn't do. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay, okay. Man, I got something good today. You ready? You ready? I want to I, I wanna praise the Lord. I, that, doesn't that sound like a sissy thing to say? We Christians, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What? what? Pray, who came up with that term? Who came up with that term? Praise the Lord. Let me just say, thank you, Jesus. Let, let me praise the Lord. And now the Christian world looks at us, the, the lost world looks at us and says, what is wrong with those people? Praise Biden. Praise Trump. Praise the Lord. Oh, Christian. It's in Psalms, coach. It's in Psalms. Praise the Lord. Over I get and over it. Again. I get it. I get it. There's a lot of things that are in the Bible. Huh? There's a lot of things that are in the Bible. One of them be God hates. That's in the Bible, too, but you don't hear that one very often, do you? Now, so hang on there with me. I get, I get thinking about this. Came really hard, hard, hard this morning, hard. Air. Somebody commented this weekend that you better be careful, Coach Dave, because Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Now, I I read and I think. Do, do any of you out there read and think? Do any of you out there do that together? Or you just read? But I read and think. And so I ask myself this. Air, Satan is the prince of the power of the air? So right up, but Johnny's ahead of me. That's all right. Air, power of. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Now stop a minute. Clay, I know you spent a lot of time jumping up and down on trampoline, so you're not the smartest guy in the world, but you spent a lot of time up in the air. Hey, uh, hey, uh, Clay, is the highest authority in a in a kingdom a prince? Nope. Who's the highest one? The king, as far as I'm concerned. So there's a king above a prince. Is, is that what you're telling me? That's right. So Satan is the prince. This means he ain't the king, right? I, I think. I think. So Satan's called the prince of the folks. He's not the prince of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. In other words, he's the guy that sits over in the transfer station and kicks the power on and off. That's that's his job, right? He's not in control of the of the power. He's the prince of it. He's been given authority over it, but there's a guy above him. There's a king above him. You, are you following me here? So Satan's called the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, it says in Ephesians 2. What is? 
The power of the air is a spirit. What? Yes. Can you guys read? Can you read and think at the same time? Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, the spirit power that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So what's at work in the sons of disobedience? The power of the air, getting them to disobey. I, I have another spirit. I don't know about you guys. I don't, I don't have the power. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't have the spirit that's in the sons of disobedience. I've been rescued. Am, am I making sense or am I belaboring it here too much? Are you guys following me? Huh? Yes. yes okay. Yep, okay. Yep. I, think it's impo- I think it's important, see. Paul believed that through the fall, the world had become subject to demonic powers who dwell in the atmosphere and who oppose God, seeking to frustrate God's purpose. Paul was not consciously accommodating himself to the erroneous views widely held by his contemporaries, but he was expressing a genuine conviction that Christians are engaged in a cosmic, spiritual conflict against the rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, understanding that they are simply obedient to the prince who bows his knee to the king. Anybody, somebody say amen. Somebody, I know you're tracking with me, right? Amen. Amen. Boom. So when we hear them use the term air, remember that song? You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. What the heck? What? What? No, 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 no. See, we don't understand air, heavenlies, realm. Okay, so pull up for me number three. Is that the one you got there, Johnny? I don't know which one. I don't have a number real good. That's not number three, is it? Oh, are you ready? Make us a little bit bigger. Come on, boys. You're going to be glad you tuned in here today on Labor Day. I'm not giving you the day off on Labor Day, okay? So why is Satan called the prince of the power of the air? And you are dead in your trespasses and sin, which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. My understanding is that Apostle Paul is referring to Satan by prince of the power air. Why would he be called that? Scroll down, John. You ready? Keep going. Keep going. Go down four inches. Okay. Interesting, the New Testament phrase, in the heavenlies or heavenly realms, describes the believer's position or standing in Christ. We are seated in heavenlies with him by faith at the right hand of God. Positionally, that is, in a judicial sense, believers in the eyes of God are in Christ. Folks, this is so hard for us to get. We're no longer impacted by the prince of the power of the air unless we let, unless we let him in. Why? Because we are in Christ. We're not in the atmosphere. We're not in the air. We're in Christ. By contrast, Satan and his demons forces refer to variously in the New Testament as principalities, powers, rulers, authorities, world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, right? Occupy, in a sense, the first heaven. That's where they are in the first heaven. And although we see the evidence of the work very clearly on earth, in and through people, and perhaps even through some acts of nature, 
which sometimes we call acts of God. The evidence takes many forms. Fallen humankind has its own role in creation and maintenance of wickedness too. We cannot claim as comedian Flip Benham said, Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. No, there's an expression to be in league with the devil. No, 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 you can't be. Satan is well-organized and systematic in his assault on anything and everything God calls. Holy. John, scroll down to your sleep on that. I keep jumping ahead. Aided by a hierarchy of demons under his control, the hallmark, hallmarks of his cosmos, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, are evident in every society. And his mission is clear to kill, to steal, destroy anything and everything God has made or is in process of building, including that church. He puts John 10.10. 10. That's wrong, though, right? The thief cometh to kill and to steal and destroy, and the thief's a hiring pastor, right? In conclusion, we thank God that Satan was death, a death blow at the cross, right? Okay, now hang on a second. One more thing. Go to number six. No, go to number five, John. Go to number, stay right there, stay right there. Friends, the word air occurs 75 times in the scripture. Now, are they talking about the air that we're breathing? Is that what they're talking about? And God said, let us make man in our own image. I would like to let them have dominion over the, the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the earth, uh, of the air. On and on, 75 different times the Bible mentions air. But air is not air that we breathe. Air is a dimension. Wow. Huh? It's a dimension. Now you're sitting down. I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna blow your mind. Sorry. Now go to the next one, Johnny. Go to uh, which the other one? Air. Oh, you're sitting down. This is Easton's Bible Dictionary. And again, I don't always believe everything. I, every dictionary or every uh, explanation because everybody comes from their own preconceived conceptions. All right. But according to Easton's Bible Dictionary, air. The atmosphere, air is the atmosphere as opposed to the higher regions of the sky. The word air occurs once as the rendering of the Hebrew ruah, where elsewhere is the rendering of shemayim, which means heavens. So the expression to speak into the air is a proverb denoting to speak in vain as to beat the air. It denotes labor in vain. Scroll on down, John. The International Bible says in the Old Testament, air, with one exception, in the phrase foul or fowls of the air. The Hebrew word is usually rendered heaven or heavenlies. According to an ancient Hebrew cosmogony, cosmogony, the sky was a solid dome. What? According to ancient Hebrew cosmogony, the sky was a solid firmament stretching over the earth as a covering. In the above phrase, the air means the space between the earth and the firmament. In Job, air is rendered as ruach or breath, wind, spirit. Scales of the Leviathan are so closely joined together that no air can penetrate. 
The expression beating the air means to deal blows that do not get hit home. They miss the mark. In this conflict with the lower life represented by the body, Paul compares himself to a boxer who is shadow boxing. Paul also refers to speaking into the air in reference to the unintelligible utterances of those who speak with tongues. In the expression, prince of the power of the air, we find an echo of the current belief that the air was the dwelling place of spirits, especially of evil spirits. Hmm. So there is around us an invisible realm. Now we can argue about dome and all that. We, we, we can argue all that. But there clearly is around us air in which things are dwelling that we can't see. And I like to use the uh, illustration of an aquarium. Fish live in water. Fish don't know that there's a world outside the water. They don't know that. They're in the aquarium. And we're sitting outside the aquarium, looking and watching the fish. We're in a different atmosphere. Right? So are we sitting now in an aquarium? And are there beings, spirits, principalities, powers? Are there some on the outside looking down at Are they looking at us right now? Because doesn't the Bible teach us that God sees everything? And how many different heavens are there mentioned in the Bible? Hey, Johnny, do that real quick. How many heavens? See, we don't even know this, do we? We're Christians our whole life. Fifth dimension told us the seventh, seventh heaven or whatever. How many? How many? How many heavens are there, John? What's the Bible teach? How many are there? Because people say, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Oh, you're talking about heaven? The heaven? Hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, John's got us good. I haven't read it, John. Are there multiple heavens? Hmm. This is too long to read, John. You're doing great, but this is too long to read. Okay, there. go ahead. Go, you're there. Stay there, John. Stay there. There's. Keep on going. There's the earth and the sky. Keep going. There's the stars and the galaxy. Keep going. There's a place where the God dwells. Keep going. So what is heaven and what will be revealed in them? And are there dimensions in heaven? Are there different levels? Are there levels of heaven? Bible doesn't mention it, but says, yeah, you know, you've been faithful. Okay, so again, we throw these words around and we don't even really know what they mean. You know something? Look, the Bible teaches us that there's nothing hidden. Ponder that a second. Nothing hidden. Nothing hidden. Oh, wait a minute. It's hidden from the human natural eye. But it ain't hidden from all eyes. Because we are sitting in a dimension. We're sitting in a world that has many dimensions to it. The heavenly realm is deep stuff, isn't it? deep stuff. And so we don't really have an understanding. Stephanie would have an understanding, and Reggie would have an understanding, maybe, and and John Loveland maybe would have an understanding, because why? They've dealt with those evil spirits in high places. 
high heavenly places. This is really true, friends. And we don't get it. So I got kind of a, I got kind of an epiphany today. Pull up by number four. Did we pull that up already, John? An even deeper understanding of the world around us. Not not an understanding, but an awareness that the devil and the that the demons really. Yeah, I did that. Okay. Uh, it tells us in Psalms the world rulers of this present darkness, huh? Kings of this earth set themselves. Rulers take counsel together against the Lord, gets his anointed. See the picture, John Loveland. Come on in. Yeah, Coach, I was just looking at that word. Uh, that word means the atmospheric condition. The word you're talking about, the prince of the power of the air in the Hebrew, I mean, in the uh, Greek, uh-huh. it means the atmospheric region. And then Paul said that he was taken into the third heaven. Yeah. So is, is that all there is, is the third, first, second, and third? So just throwing that out there. Yeah, is, is there? Are, are there different levels, right? You think of, think of where we are, right? We have air, land, water. We have, we have three actual physical dimensions right here, which in which we see three right here, right? Now, do every one of those dimensions have some type of air, water, and land? And we're just not able to see it, understand it. I hope you're enjoying this. I have enjoying I was, I was enjoying opening it up. Because see, this is the kind of stuff that we don't hear about in church that makes Christianity so relevant. It's relevant to everything. I got to show you this real quick. Then I'm, I'm going to get you in. Pull up. This is this blew me away, folks. Pull up number two, Johnny. I, I came across this today as I was doing some some uh, searching this morning. This is a this is a this is a uh, website that is designed, claims to be designed, to answer questions in the cosmos about evolution in, in, in particular, okay? So I came across this. It's Evolution News and Science Today. It's called Fossil Friday. What was that? September 1st. 70 years of textbook wisdom on the origin. Whoa, John, you left me, left me there. On the origin of multicellular life turns out to be wrong. In other words, 70 years of one of the foundational principles that made evolution true, uh-oh, they was wrong. Who said they were wrong? Some scientists. Now, this thing goes on down through here. You can scroll down. It's long, 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 long. It was so long, it's confusing. I didn't want to do this. Yeah, I didn't. But uh, keep on going because I won't go last. Okay, last paragraph. Are you ready, folks? Up, Johnny. Up. Last paragraph. Because they're teaching this right there. They're teaching this stuff to your children in school. All right? So here's what these people say with a bunch of references. Since Tao's attempt fails, just like other suggested alternatives, to explain the Cambrian explosion. In other words, how all of a sudden all these different animals appeared, just out of nowhere. They, they've tried for years and years to explain it, and they couldn't explain it because there are no transitional fossils. In other words, there's no, there are no fossils of a half bird, half fish. There are none of them, right? 
There's no transitional fossils. That was called the Cambrian explosion. The abrupt appearance of animal body plan disparity stubbornly remains an unsolved problem for Darwinism. They cannot explain the transition of one species. They can't, they can't do it. Why can't they do it? Because it didn't happen. Scientists are getting to the point where they have to admit that it didn't happen. Right? However, the new research points to an even bigger problem, which is the dubious scientific status of Darwinian evolution theory itself that arguably seems to be compatible, seems to be compatible with any conceivable observation and thus unfalsified and heuristically worthless. In other words, the Darwinists are saying the Darwinian theory is hogwash. If more than 70 years of consensus, consensus, what? Consensus is just a bunch of people getting together and agreeing about something they don't know. And more than 70 years of consensus endorsed increased oxygen as a trigger of multicellular life. And then scientists simply cheer for the progress of science. When the exact opposite correlation is found, there's something fundamentally wrong with the theory. Demonstration of a grandiose failure of a theory may be scientific progress, but it certainly cannot be forged into success for this theory. <laughs> In other words, theory of evolution, dude, it's dead. It's dead. Maybe it's time to look for a new theory that better explains the empirical data instead of producing decade of fake research. Boom! And we still teach it in our schools. Why? Why? The last thing they can admit is there's a creator. Come on in, Randy. Well, that's a, that's a great article, Coach, you found there. That What it's showing me, Coach, is that they know that they're, they're dead in the water, the, the, the evolutionists. So the atheists are wanting to get ahead of this and to salvage just a little bit of credibility when they go out. So it's, see, this is what's coming, Coach. They know Nothing they can't hidden, sustain Randy, the truth. Hidden, right? Nothing hidden. Nothing hidden. And, but, Coach, on the heavens, okay, here's how I study the Word of God. <clears throat> I let there be two or three witnesses before I give an interpretation. I've learned that because I've made a fool of myself too many times. So Paul says there's three. We know that, what John said there. But... Enoch says there's seven. So, Coach, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go with the three because Enoch says there's at least three. That he thinks there's seven. I'm not sure about the seven, so I'm not gonna <laughs> preach that as truth. I'm gonna preach that as maybe a theory. But I'm gonna yes. preach his truth. There's at least three heavens. Right, right, right. So, so where we get it, where where we get where we get into trouble again, I. Keeps coming back to the same thing. We teach as doctrines things that we don't have any proof of, folks. Right? But think about how many people in the world have staked their entire reputation on Darwinism. How many lies they've told us about it. All that stuff that they've told us about Darwinism. Now we know it's all made up, all those Darwinian charts. Hey, Johnny, see how quick you are up there? Pull up one of those Darwinian charts of evolution. All of this, friends, all of it, phony, made up, 
falsified imaginations created in the mind of guys who wanted to make sure we knew there wasn't a God. So they created a chart showing us how it all connected and it doesn't all connect. John, look for just a uh, Darwinian chart. Uh, maybe that would do it. <clears throat> you did that. You did say that. That's not the one. I'm, you guys know the one I'm looking for. Show all the all the animals, all, all starting with evolving. Hey, folks, it's all a bunch of malarkey. Right? And they've been teaching as commandments. The, hey, John, look at uh, something like called the Tree of Life. See, that didn't pull it up. Teaching as commandments the doctrines of men, making the word of God of none effect. Dude, there it is. There it is, John. That might be it. The tree of life. There, there, there. See? See, folks, how they lied to us that this bird became a dog and this dog became a rat and this rat became a rodent and this rat. You see, see that? These, this is all lies. All made up lies. All of it made up lies. All of it made up lies. And they teach in your school this. Not that there's a God. Get it? See, see what we're fighting against? Huh? Huh? Came from monkeys. Came from monkeys, right? Yeah, they want us to believe that we all came from monkeys, yet we have rights. Monkeys have rights? And the government comes along and says, well, golly, homosexuals have rights. Well, where'd they get the rights? Where'd they get their rights? Well, they just get rights. Well, why do they get rights and unborn babies don't get rights? Well, they get rights. Why? See, they can't even, they can't even, they can't go there because why? Because it tells us that the rights that we have are where? Where did our rights come from, Clay? Where did our rights come from? God. Endowed to us by our creator. It's always been the same. Ain't nothing changed. They got to get rid of God. They got to get rid of him. And they're being exposed for what they are. Myra, come on, and then John again. Yes, Coach. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us into all truth in regard to the made-up lies. Ephesians 5, 6 through 7, it is written, Let no man devise you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God, upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That's Hallelujah. Right. Quit believing God, they believe. Hey, John, I just sent you a picture. I just sent you a picture of an evolution professor. Jeff, Jeff Klein just sent me this picture from when we were at the square. I got this lady, not this one. Uh, can you make it bigger? This is us at the square on Mount Vernon. Save more lives, vote yes on, she wants to kill babies. LA wants to kill babies. Cause she's a, you know, she believes in evolution. She believes in evolution. But the one I had really had fun with is if you look clear over here to the left, she gets sitting in a chair with a sign and the sign says, save our democracy. Oh, did I have fun with her? What a liar. She's a professor at Kenyon College and doesn't know we're a republic. She doesn't know that. If she doesn't know it, she's a fool. If she does know it, she's a liar. She's deceptive. 
We're going to save mom's lives by killing. Can somebody tell me how you save a mom's life by killing a baby? See, these are the lies and the deceptions that they get away with. We let them get away with it. Those of you who are there, there's old Phil Parr holding the sign of the woman of his killed. And there's Glenn and Corinne there. there. Uh, we had some good folks up there. Hey, folks, they couldn't take it. When the light showed up, the darkness left. They couldn't take it. They couldn't take it. Craig, come on in then, John. I think the question to ask then, Coach, is if there is a God, how do you find out who that God is? And how do you uh, how do you come into relationship with him? So a great thing to say is, is say, OK, we have in the Bible thirty one thousand one hundred and two verses. As Mark Trump would say, that would be data about who our God is and his relationship with his creation. Unfortunately, his creation is at war with him. That's okay. right. But it's you know right. what's neat? You know what's neat, Coach? It says if you go right to the middle of the book. It tells you the story and that our God has benefits. The 15,551 verse, which is the middle of the book, and 15,152 book, which in the book is Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. So I'll read that to you. Psalm 103, says, verse 1 and 2. This is the middle of the Bible. Psalm right. 103. Hang on. We want to get it up there. Psalm 103. Verses 1 and 2. I'm reading off the New King James, but it's probably close. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgot, forget not all his benefits. <laughs> so those who choose not to come in relationship with the Lord are not going to understand nor benefit from him. So. Craig, listen, I had, a, I had another argument on Facebook. I could take you and show you where this guy, this guy is putting all his time and effort in, in to convince me there isn't a God. And I, I keep saying to him, dude, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit. It's foolishness. And you got a lot of head knowledge and you think you're smart. I got a lot of head knowledge and I'm smart. I have a PhD in education. I'm a smart guy. But the difference is I am spiritually enlightened and you're not. Because you're not spiritually enlightened, the Bible says that you cannot understand the things of the spirit. So what did I decide to do? I quit arguing. He can't. Are you looking at me, friends? If you don't have your water hose, Connected to the spigot, you cannot have water come out the hose. Not that it won't, it cannot. So here's this guy who has no connection to the Holy Spirit at all, doesn't have the spirit of truth in him, wants to debate me on things he cannot understand. When I was a young coach, they said, Coach Dave, don't get in a pissing contest with a skunk. That's what I said. Discussion over. John Lovin, come on in. Hey, knowledge is not wisdom. What? Solomon's temple is not like David's heart. Knowledge and wisdom don't make you spiritually smart. You might find yourself deceived. You can't tell them apart. Solomon's wisdom. No, 
and David's heart. Come on, then, John. Yeah, Coach. Two things. Um, hey, if anybody's interested, uh, you spend thirty bucks and you can get uh, the Strong's Concordance off of Olive Tree Bible Software, and you can look up any word in the King James. It's derived from the book, the Strong's book. Maybe maybe explain that, Coach. And then, but you can uh, you can purchase that for about thirty bucks. You could put it on any platform, your computer, your phone, your tablet, and you look. You can look up any word in the Bible. It'll give you the Hebrew name and meaning. It'll give you the Greek name and meaning. So it's a it's a wonderful tool to to really really study <clears throat> the Word of God. And then number two, uh, Mr. Producer, can you just Google Darwin's educational background and look and see what comes up? I think it's interesting. His background is theology. Darwin's? Yeah, he graduated from Christ College, Cambridge. Yeah. Think how long ago this was, and we still believe this guy was, we still believe. <laughs> we still think he knew what he was talking about, 1825. Right? We, uh, oh, so that's a different, that's a different. So the end of his educational career, like he, he went to Shrewsbury, he went to Queens Medical. And but the end of his career, he went to Christ College in Cambridge from 1828 to 1831. He was a theologian, and all he did was put down some ideas about the possibility of things, and people ran with it. He, ah. he, it's amazing. That's um, I didn't I didn't know that I didn't. And know some that. people claim that he got saved in his on his deathbed. He repented. Mm. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've read. See, the only way evolution could be true is if you want it to be. It's a, it's, <laughs> it goes against all the laws of nature, all the laws of nature, right? All the laws of nature. Jeff, come on in. I'll just share real quick my perspective as you're talking about this. On Saturday, what we experienced started off with Stephanie getting that vehicle, and she cried three times. Sent me a picture of herself driving down the road, crying. So... Then she got to get up there and just share her heart on the square. You got to speak. And Judd did a great job. Judd just yeah, come out Judd there like a fire about the Patriot. It was great. Different ones getting to speak. And then we had the one guy open up his old hymn book and sang. He said, can I sing two songs? I said, yeah. you sing them, brother. He said he'd bring him back his poem on abortion next Saturday. Then John Collison, I conned him into getting up there and singing a Randy Travis song in the garden. Just on and on and on. But the best part of the whole day was them young children. Them little, what was there, four of them girls, I think four. And the one girl thought she was a boy, claiming to be a boy. But, you know, I, I looked back on that, and I told the church Sunday morning. I seen at one point over there, Corinne had hands on them kids praying with them. Then I seen Man Lee praying over them. Then I seen Michelle, your wife, praying over them. And then at the end, we all close out in prayer, and them young kids said, hey, we want to be in the prayer. And then you walked over and prayed over them kids. I told the church, I said, these kids are searching for attention. So the last word, and they hung around for probably a half hour, 40 minutes with us on the square, a bunch of Christians talking about Jesus, and them kids hung right there. They were 11 and 12 years old. And one, last, of them, one, of them, one of them thought he was a tranny, actually. So, yeah. Yep. So the and I sh shared with them about church in the garage on Tuesday nights. They want to pop in, and we'd be back next Saturday. And they were saying some things. Everybody had left, 
How can, couple- how can we, let me stop. I'm sorry, Jeff. How yeah. can we, how can we care so little about lies being taught to our children? How can we, yeah. I thought, Jeff, you know, I, t- I said, Michelle, those three kids, I said, man, oh man, there is the fruit of the public schools without godly influence in their lives. So right there it is. Right there yeah. it is. The last thing I said to him was they were, they were still wanting attention. Everybody just about gone. They're still sitting up there by where I had the PA system set up on the Moroccan. And I said, listen, hopefully we'll see you kids again next week. We'll be back up here. So hope they show up. It was a good day. Amen. Amen. By the way, uh, thanks, Jeff. Jeff, I I give Jeff credit, man. He's after it hard. Pull up the the one that says uh, number eight for me, John. By by the way, uh, folks, if you want to be part of the blessing, uh, we are covering Stephanie's car. She's covering like half of it. Pass Assault Ministries is covering the other half. If you want a blessing, if you believe in giving forward, paying, paying not back, not paying back, paying forward, then uh, you make an offering right there that will go to uh, paying for Stephanie's car. How about this, folks? I, I get thinking about this today. This is what I always said. And here, a group of Native Americans have sent a letter to the Washington Redskins owner saying, please change the name back. Remember that hubbub a few years ago? Couldn't call the Redskins the Redskins. It was derogatory, yada, 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 yada. And so they changed them to the commanders, whatever the hell. I'm as if Washington's our commanders, really. So scroll on down a minute because I want you to see what the what there's. Who comes, who, see folks, who comes up with these things? Who, who came up with the idea? We have got to change that name. Was it the Indians? I bet it wasn't the Indians. But it wasn't even the Indians. Oh, my goodness. So they scroll on down. So these, these people have sent a letter appealing to them. Keep going. Keep going, Johnny. Um, maybe it's not there. They said Washington commanders would not restore the name because these people said it was a, it was a sign of the bravery of their people. They were the Redskins. And they had the the hat on the, the whatever they call that thing on it, and it was an honoring to them to be called Redskins. It was an honorable. It wasn't making fun of them like Aunt Jemima or something. But see, it's all about destroying heritage. It's all it's all it's about. It's all it's about. I'm sorry I didn't get that. Didn't make that so clear to you. Let me show you one more thing. Driving down the car yesterday. God is so good. Johnny, go to number nine. We're driving down the back road, heading to Hebron. I've got my grandkids in there, taking them out to get some ice cream. And I look up in the sky, and I could not believe what I saw. Right, right up, like right up, like right up there. Go ahead and play it, John. We're two great big. Well, friends, here's something Balloons. you don't see every day, driving down the road. I got my hair up in the sky. Say, so what's going on? What's going on? Well... What do you think of that? These two, you can stop it. These two this huge, right of- huge hot air balloons are flying on like I can I can hit them with a big pole. I mean, they're like right there. And I got my grandkids in the car and I'm trying to drive. Because it looked like they were going to go down into a field. I thought they were crashing. I didn't know what was going on. So I drove the car and I pulled back and pulled it off the highway. And here they are landing in a guy's field. Good, just... See if you can speed this up a little bit. This is one of the most, I, I couldn't have paid 
for my grandkids to be able to see this. Have any of you out there in your life really seen a hot air balloon land? Have you ever seen it out in the middle of nowhere? So two of them do it on the same day. Go ahead. Hot air balloon. We were just driving down there. There's another one that was landed back over there. There's my grandson, David. He's never seen like that either. On the other side of the corn the other one. Did you know they were going to do this? Uh, He tells me about five to ten minutes before he lands. Wow. The safest spot to land. I was afraid he was going down, you know. It looked like he was going Uh, into all that corn and everything. Yeah, I went back and talked to the people back there. You don't see that every day in your backyard, do you? My grandkids got to see this for free. We didn't have to go to some circus. We didn't have to go to some state fair. Driving down the road, we look up, and there are two balloons. Now, move it a little bit farther, uh, Johnny. Because I'm going to show you the other one. Town. The other one over in the corner. Keep going. Keep going. They're on the other side of the cornfield. There's the other one. That one's still got a little bit of air in it. But they've dropped into an open field on the other side of the corn there. Huh? Is that wow, cool? That's a, or is that cool? That's a $25 experience One more free. Thing. One more thing. So we're at Mount Vernon. Many of you don't know this. Most of you don't know this. My first teaching job out of college was Mount Vernon High School. I was a system football coach, physical education teacher in Mount Vernon High School from 1975 to 1981. And that's where I met my wife. Met Michelle there when she came as a first year teacher. She came in 1979, eight, nine. So I can't remember. I've been there three years and she walked in and it was, it was love at first sight. And it really was. And uh, so we ended up getting married. We uh, bought our first home in Mount Vernon, had two of our children in Mount Vernon. So Mount Vernon has a real kind of soft spot in my heart, you know? So we're there on the square. We were there about two hours. We're doing street preaching, which I love to do. Come and join us next week. It's so good. It's so much fun. And this guy comes walking up to me. And he just kind of stands in front of me. And he sticks out his hand and he says, Coach Dobbinmeyer? I said, yeah. Stan Fry. What? Stan Fry? I got up and gave him a great big old hug. Remember, I coached when I was 24 years, 23 years old, 24 years old. And here's Stan Fry, one of the guys I coached when he was 17, 18 years old. I hadn't seen him in how many years? I said, Stan, how old are you? He said, 61. I, are you kidding me? I coached a guy who was 61 years old. I haven't seen him in. How many years? And he comes walking up on the square. You know why he came walking up on the square? He had to be a square in Mount Vernon. It's a square. You drive around the square. We had abortion pictures. We had all kinds of stuff out of the square. He said he was down wherever he was, whatever, and some girl came in. And she came up to him, and she was sobbing. Sobbing. And he couldn't get her to stop sobbing. She came over and hugged him and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And he said, what's going on? He said, what's going on? She said, up on the square, up on the square. I'm paraphrasing. They had pictures up there of aborted babies. And I aborted my baby when I was 18 years old. 
40 years ago, whatever, whenever it would have been. Oh my God, those memories came back. And so Stan came up to see what we had at the, at the square. That's how, I, that's how I met him. But here's the bottom line, friends. You think pictures don't work? Hmm? What made that girl cry? Because somebody had lied to her 40 years ago and told her it was a blob of tissue. And she looked at that picture and she was undone for what she had done 40 years ago, however long it would be. Isn't that something? Can I tell you the truth? One of the greatest uh, secrets in the church is the number of men and women sitting in the church who have never dealt with the guilt of having killed their own child. It's a blockage of the spirit of God into their life, that unforgiven guilt, sin that they committed. My wife talks about an organization out there called Surrender the Secret. See, pastors don't want to talk about abortion because the pews are full of men and women who engaged in it. Man. And they don't want to deal with what that girl, that Stan lady, that Stan knew, saw. And Stan said, I had to see what was so powerful that would do that to her. And it was nothing more than a picture. Johnny, can you pull that back up there? This, this photo someplace if you had that? Folks, we got to tell the truth to people. Lying to them isn't the truth. I was just looking for that. that yeah, there, there. You see that picture that Corinne and Glenn are holding? That's a picture of an aborted baby, dismembered, aborted baby. And a lot of times when we go to the streets, people say, oh, don't do that. Don't bring those bloody pictures. Why not? Why not? Show them that they've been lied to and what happened to them and what they did. And I wouldn't embarrass Emma for all the tea in China, but I know Emma told me from her own personal experience, it wasn't until she asked forgiveness from the baby that she received grace. Hmm. Folks, what a Holocaust that's going on in the midst. Now, here in Ohio, on November 1st, we're going to vote to legalize this. Remember we talked about the issue one before? The issue one was trying to change the Constitution, so it took a 60% vote. It failed. So now 50.1. 1,001 votes will beat 1,000 votes with the right to murder an unborn baby. That's where we are. Wrap us up, Jeff. Coach, isn't it amazing? We start off Saturday morning. And the God-hating Democrats call the cops on them. Say we've been yeah. assaulting them or whatever they said. They called dialed 911. And then Stan comes rolling up on the square. And he's been in my car lot several times. And I knew he knew you. but So I looked at him when he walked up there. And he came up and shook my hand. I said, hey, you just missed Coach Dave up here hollering and screaming through the PA. He looked at me and said, Coach is here? I said, right over there on the bench. He said, I got a story to tell him. And he was deadhead. But the God haters tried to run us off and it didn't work. It was great. No, that's right. Because why? 
Light chases darkness. The righteous are as bold as lions. And evil men flee when no one pursues. The probe on the square called 911 because we simply showed up. Wow, there's power there, huh? Hey, no Brideon show today. Brideon's shut down. I get to spend the day with my wife. Might take her out on the boat. See you tomorrow.